Before we would look into God's word, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. <clears throat> Lord, as we sang this hymn, it truly is a testament to what thou hast done for us, and specifically for this service, these two souls that have given their testimonies and given their lives to thee. We pray, Lord, that as we have all entered through these doors, that after this morning, once we leave this place, this room, as we leave the door of this room, Lord, we pray that we would leave differently than when we came in. And for that, we thank thee in advance and thank thee for all of thy goodness and grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. would like to ask that you turn your text, your Bibles this morning, to the Gospel of St. John, chapter number 3. With the help of the Lord, I'd like to read a portion of that chapter, which is very familiar to many of us. St. John, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, 
neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. I wish to end verse 21, and may the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Let us all all arise for our prayer. O merciful Heavenly Father, indeed we are thankful that we have a Father in Heaven that careth for His creation. O Lord, we believe that there is only one God whom we should worship, and Thou art that living God that has given us the very breath of life, the God who has created heaven and earth and us in his own image. And Lord, we also believe that thou didst create us differently than the rest of thy creation and that thou has given us a spirit and a soul, a soul that yearns to return unto its heavenly Maker. And Heavenly Father, as we pause in this beautiful morning hour to give Thee thanks, to give Thee reverence, and to come and to worship Thee in truth and in spirit, we come with much gladness, and we can only imagine the joy that is taking place in heaven with the angels, with the archangels, Because thy word tells us that the angels rejoice in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. And we have two sinners that have made peace with thee, that have reconciled and have allowed a transformation of mind and heart to take place because they discovered the truth. And it is the truth that sets them free. And Heavenly Father, we come with a special mission and ordinance that we will witness because thy word tells us that unless we are born of water and spirit, in no wise can we inherit the kingdom of God. And Lord, we come to witness the burial of the old man and the arising of a newborn creature unto the newness of life in the image of Jesus Christ. And we pray that this date may be inscribed in the heavenly books, April 27th, 2014. Brian and Zarko have died and have arisen and been born again. And Heavenly Father, may that birth certificate that is issued on this notable day be a reminder unto them and also a reminder unto those of us that have also been reborn and baptized unto the death of Christ that we may also remember the covenant we have made with thee, the living God, with a clear conscience out of our own will to now follow thee and walk in thy footsteps. And Lord, O God, we recognize and we acknowledge 
It is only because the merit of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who has purchased us with the shedding of his own precious blood so that we may be rid of our sins. And we do believe, as thy word teaches us, that those sins that were part of our past life shall be cast into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. But we also recognize that the adversary of our soul, the accuser, will come back to accuse us. But we thank thee, Lord, that Jesus Christ, our intercessor, will be there to remind thee that he has died and forgiven us our sins. We are also thankful, Lord, that thou wilt not leave us as thou hast promised, that thou wilt not leave us comfortless, but that thou wilt bestow upon us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we have much reason to rejoice and to just lift the holy name of Jesus heavenward. We pray that thy word may go out in, in the power of the Spirit in this morning hour so that those that have not reconciled, that have not made right with thee, may come to the light and realize that there is only one way to reach eternal heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. So help us, focus on thy word, let us partake of the heavenly manna in this morning hour, and we will promise to attentively be obedient and subject to thy word and to the message that thou wilt have in store for us. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the, in the Gospels, we are uh, vividly given uh, witness to that there have been many occasions, and probably more than are recorded for sure, of people coming to Jesus or interacting and intersecting with him. And most notably, those that were the forgotten, the secluded, the throwaways, the halt, the blind, the grievous sinners of the time came to him with, with great uh, zeal and great hope and great need and so forth. Here we have an example of a man who was not of that ilk. Uh, he was a man who was well established. He was a, a religious officer, if I could use those terms. He was a leader. He was a rabbi. He was endowed with with a great deal of authority, a great deal of invested learning. And he had, for all the reasons of the thinking of his contemporaries, all the reasons not to come to see Jesus. And he elected to come in a, in a nighttime, for which we can perhaps think that that's done out of fear of, of what others would say if they knew. Or it could be that in his um, rabbi uh, uh, order of the evening, as far as what a rabbi would consider doing in prayers and meditation and so forth, maybe he hit a point where whatever he was doing religiously wasn't settling his heart. And so he needed to come to see Jesus 
to be able to see him, to, to speak with him, to pay, perhaps unload his heart. You know, no different than many who, who come to church. And we've heard the testimonies last evening of, of these two men that, that found this place to be a place of refuge, a place where they could touch God's heart. And how true that is. And perhaps Nicodemus came with the same longing. If you think about it, he had a very unique reason to, because this is a man who was endowed with the teaching of others, and he himself was perhaps feeling incomplete or bewildered or realizing that Jesus is something different, is something real. And I need to cross over to him. I need to see him. I need to talk to him. And so he did. And he came in a very respectful way. He acknowledges Jesus for his, for his credentials, for his, his, basically his authenticity, which was not always the case, right? His peers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they looked to, to, to expose Jesus as a counterfeit, to, to expose him as one that is among sinners and, and certainly not God. And he comes to Jesus And Jesus says unto him, reading his heart, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There was no small talk here. Jesus was not not going to invest time to debate. He knows the seriousness of time. This was a window for this man, perhaps the only window to be able to come and to share his, his fears, his, his desires, his curiosities, his, his heart. And Nicodemus was stunned. How can a man be born again? We hear that a lot. We hear, you know, we're in a Christian continent for the most part. And there are Christians and then there are born-again Christians. Well, what's the difference? Why, why do we put an emphasis on born again? Because Jesus did. And there's no other way to be a Christian than to have a born again experience. What is that? What does that mean to you? Does it mean to go through a religious uh, oracle of baptism? Yes. Is that only it? No. It has nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do with the relationship with Jesus, who is the Son of God. And therefore, there's a relationship with God himself, the Father. That is what is being born again. It involves dying. This morning we're going to see in in simulcast a death as well as being a birth, a new birth. Yes, they'll look the same. They'll wear the same clothes before and after. They'll have the same height, weight, and so forth. But there will be something completely different, as already there is. And you have to die to enter into the kingdom of heaven so that you can live. And, my loved ones, this has been in a very evasive uh, Teaching, belief, lifestyle, dogma. This is something that is very hard to understand. Because 
we have an immensely challenged nature. We read in the book of Romans, chapter 5, we realize that because of one man, we inherit the condemnation. Not the sin, the specific sin of Adam, but the condemnation for sin. And one of the greatest elements of sin is unbelief. Unbelief. Jesus knows that. Not only in his, in his ministry, but throughout time, through the time of the old time, the prophets, and he used the word we here, speaking of those that have prophesied, that have taught the same essential message unto those who cannot see, will not seek, will not hear, and will not believe. God is the God of grace. He's also the God of rejection. No one has been rejected more than God. And yet, we see to exemplify the reality of the love of God, as well as a congregation who have come to support and to be part of this weekend, to reaffirm the, the liveliness and the, the truth of God's word, that all who come unto him shall live, shall live. I'm convinced in my entire span of my Christian experience that the problem isn't with us as humans not really understanding God or his deity or who he is or accepting his authority. We, for the most part, unless we're dealing with atheists, which... Really, I think they hide behind a term, to be honest with you. Talking to a group of them is one thing. Talking to them individually is yet another. That's why I say that. It's not that God doesn't have the credibility or that we don't have the proof that he is who he is and Jesus was who he is and what he did. No, we're not, we don't really have that much of a problem with that. The real issue is what we think about sin, specifically my sin. And I'm here to tell you, loved ones, that how we think about my sin, your sin, is how we really think about God. It means nothing to him if we flatter him, if we praise him, if we, if we hold him up high and mighty, and yet we do not agree with him about sin. We have rejected him. These two young men have a complete consensus with God in the Bible about what sin is. And my loved ones, and those of you here for the first time, I'm here to say to you that I believe that you believe in God. But I believe I understand the struggle with sin. And the greatest fruit of being born again is to get sin right. 
And we sin one sin at a time. Yes, the Bible speaks, and there are examples of those that have many sins. And, and, it, and it is recorded as those that have much to be forgiven. They love much, and that's true. But the fact of the matter is, we sin one sin at a time. And if we learn to live with our sin, then we don't need God. The greatest need in our life is God. Much has been shared last evening, and it also represents truisms for many people, some of which include me in my life, in my time. What is life? What are we here for? Are we here to be as healthy as long as we can? be as attractive as long as we can, have as much as we can. What are we here for? There's a point in our lives where we have to see the big picture. We have to answer the question, is this it? What am I here for? And this God, if I, if I dealt with him, and what, what, what does it mean to leave this earth? with not dealing with him. The Bible's very clear. There's a place that was not intended for those who simply didn't want to get close to God. There are many people today who said, you know, this born-again thing, I'm, I'm okay. I'm morally in the rarity I'm a pretty good person. I think today, in 2014, that's the hardest person to reach about being born again. If I'm morally okay, if I feel like I have my life under control, I have reasons to prove that it is, I am very far from God. I'm a fool. I have nothing to do with tomorrow. I have nothing to do with my next breath. Everything that I have, everything that I'm supposed to be, can be taken away in a second. But I'm going to stand here in defiance to God and say, I am morally okay. I looked at your word. And I'm okay. Being born again isn't about passing a test. Being born again is about being in a relationship. And I'm going to tell you, my friend outside of Jesus Christ, this morning, in a relationship with Jesus, as perhaps you can best try to to equate to the, the most precious relationship you have on earth, what is the one thing that motivates you from someone that you really, really love? You don't want to let them down. Now, there's a bit of a difference between living by the law and penciling our daily life. Did I do good? Did I do okay? I did better than my neighbor. I'm not like him, so on and so forth. Versus, I don't want to let my Lord down. He died for me. He loves me. He loves me before I ever even turn my face to him. 
I am one of those that walk by the cross not caring. I may not have chanted crucify him, but I walk by not caring. That's when I don't need him. I don't care for him. But being born again, you care. You love. And the love that you receive is the love that you give. And it's one of these things where I can't stand here and really explain it beyond that. But it's on a whole other level of living. To be free from, from all of the things that, that can strike against you by way of what you did wrong, who you are, all the, all the decisions that, that didn't turn out right, the, the mess that you may be in or that you've caused others. Think about the compound nature of sin. One by one adds to a lot over time. Unrepented sin is only setting you up for the next level of sin and complexity in your life. That's how we live our lives. Nicodemus wanted to know, maybe, am I saved? You... Jesus represented a, a gospel that was a revolution to the Jews. A complete upside down. Obviously, he cared enough to come and see, maybe, how do I stand? And Jesus told him, as he's telling you and me. Being a born again is not being perfect. It's about being complete. What can you do today? When you feel incomplete, what do you do? If you don't live for Jesus, who do you go to to fill you up? And how often does that happen? And what does it cost you? And what happens after that? Some 2,000 years went by. There are a lot more people today alive than at the time of Jesus' death. Time where he shed his blood on the cross. That means that his blood is more expensive Are you still okay with saying, I don't need it? Let's talk about being born again and what that means when we leave this life. This is a short life. Life is kind of like this. When you're a young person, did you ever look at a a book or a movie title, and you really got, I got to get this. I got to read this. I got to watch this. The title just, just really just got my attention. I got to stop what I'm doing. I got to check this out. And then you watch or read it, and you come in the end and say, you know, the title of the book was far more leading than really what it turned out to be. That's life. That's life, my friend. You're chasing titles right now. And once you get the book, 
And once, once you own the book, that becomes your story. The story does not live up to the title. It does in this book. It's beyond the title. Because we can only understand a portion of it. And it's such a beautiful portion that we do. But there's a part that we have yet to understand. There's yet for us to experience. Being born again is, is, is becoming resident in the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is not of this earth. The best is yet to come. Why settle for a title that's only meant to sell? And that's it. Is the title of your book a career? Is the title of your book a relationship, an adventure? What about personal freedom? There you go. That's, that one works all the time. What are you going to do with your personal freedom? Where's it going to take you? What's it going to give you? How's it doing now? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God gave his best. Heaven Heaven gave their best. You know, um, all of us, I'm sure, have been raised by, by very committed moms and wanted us to have good manners. And whenever we were in social circles, that someone gave us something that you knew was not at Walmart, but that was maybe an heirloom or something that they did. They take personal time and effort and trouble. It may not be something that you were looking for that day. However, because, because of what went in it to give you, and because what they thought of you as they were fashioning it and creating it and, 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 and giving it to you was so much more meaningful, right? Do we ever consider when you're called that is the attitude of God's call to you. I'm giving you my best. I'm, I'm giving this to you. This is my, my very best, my most precious son. He died for you. He made it so that you and I can have communion, that we could live together. That you don't have to walk around feeling the weight and the remorse and the, 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 the deploring weight of sin that just continues to sap life out of you. My son will cause all that to go away. Believe in him. Trust him. Accept him. Allow him to be in you. And come out of the darkness. What does darkness imply? Statistically, most of the crimes that are committed, violent crimes, I might add, 
are recorded as being nocturnal. What is it about darkness that <clears throat> compels sinners to, to call that home? That's where we're born, into this world. It's hard to see a little baby and consider in the context of their environment in darkness, but really, that's it. We start out in darkness. And we come out of darkness into the light. There's only one power that can do that, and that's the love of God. There's no law that's going to make and, 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 and motivate and prevent, and prevent, which is a key thing, and prevent man from going, coming out or keeping from going to darkness. But the love of Christ makes darkness flee. My friend, I hope last Sunday you were in the audience of, of, of the Word of God that focused on the resurrection. There is no reason to, to, to follow the proof of resurrection that it occurred, but rather look at what it proved, what it proved. It proved the validity of God. It proved his love. And it showed the world a power that it's never seen before. That these two young men today are going to claim that power as being their new life. What are they bringing to the game? Their hearts. What do they get? The power that Jesus had. The game of life is won only with Jesus on our side. The same power that made a tomb vacant will allow them to be able to say no, to say no to sin, it will say no to the things of this world, to the system of this world, to the, to the uh, advances of this world, and always hear what Jesus has to say. In closing, my friend, I hope and pray that you will witness something that is going to cause a stir in your heart. That's how it starts. And there becomes a revolution where you will have, you will have to come to a point where you will have to acknowledge the words of Christ. I hope and pray that that is a reality in your life. I hope that as you leave these doors today and tomorrow comes and tomorrow will come for all of us if the Lord gives us tomorrow and the world is going to be there to meet us. And it's going to define for you what sin is. And by the way, if you haven't noticed, it's on a continual decline to the point of disappearance. You can see it that our legislators, entertainers, 
intellectuals, on every level possible, every institution is participating in the complete turning down the volume and the elimination of sin. Meanwhile, God is not changed. Will you allow yourself to be driven by the masses? Will you allow uh, your conscience? Will you allow the things that you can reason with? As Nicodemus came to reason with Jesus, he was able to understand. Now, did he understand everything in his first meeting? No, he did not. But I will tell you that he was one of his very public followers upon his death and crucifixion, which means that if he came by fear, he got rid of the fear. If he came with doubt, he had no doubt. He left different than he came. And I can tell you that even for those who say no to Jesus, they are not the same as they they were before they heard his word. And that is the power and the mystery of the word of God. We cannot stay the same when we hear the truth. Regardless of our motives and our hearts, we cannot overcome that. We are powerless to take, to take even denial to that level. But I ask you, humbly, do not allow the world, do not allow the voices other than the word of God to dictate to you and to fashion you as to how you will be and how you will live. Because once this life is over, It's too late to say, wow, it's all true. It's all true. It's too late. If that's when the lights come on, it's too late. For these two, there was an urgency in what I heard in their testimony that Jesus said, it's all about today. Today, if you hear his call, harden not your hearts. Amen. I really um, liked what Brother Dave mentioned about the storyline or the title of your life and what are the things that you could If you could write a book about your life, what would uh, be the main theme? We heard this morning the greatest story ever told. The story of Jesus Christ coming to this earth. And the most poignant words that Jesus probably ever spoke was to Nicodemus when he said, You must be born again. We heard also that God gave us his very best his only son. And he was that lamb that was prophesied by so many of God's prophets beginning in the Garden of of Eden when the lamb or the animal was slain and blood was shed for the covering of sin of Adam when he first fell. I would just like to read a few verses to support what is going on. I know there's a lot of... um, Uh, perhaps people here this morning that may not have witnessed a baptism or the meaning of it. I want to just refer you to a testimony or a a real act in in the life of the early church in Acts chapter 2. After Jesus had ascended into heaven and now the disciples were on their own, 
At least it appeared so. But Jesus said, Lo, I am with you until the ends of the world. In Acts chapter 2, the very Peter who had denied Jesus uh, in front of the people as they were taking Jesus to trial, this is what he, what he began to preach as they uh, gathered there in, in the temple with all these uh, Jews around them. Verse 20 of chapter, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And verse 32, This Jesus God hath raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he that has shed forth this with which ye see and hear. And then the verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know surely that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So this is Jesus now speaking to the Jews that were present at his crucifixion and were crying out, crucify him, crucify him. This is a very important event in the human history, the most important event. These people then replied back to Peter and said, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They felt the guilt of their crimes. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, before he left this earth, left the commission to the disciples, one of whom was Peter. In, Acts, in uh, the book of Matthew, the last chapter, 28, it says, verse 16 and on, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So what Jesus is saying, what the Apostle Peter was saying, you men, you adults, you who have come to the knowledge that you can reason and rationalize, that you know what you're doing. You need to repent. And after you have repented, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a rational decision. This is a commitment. 
It's not appending Jesus to other uh, tasks or, or activities in your life. He doesn't become just another activity. He becomes the activity. He becomes the center of your lives. And you live and die for Jesus. You're committed to him. Brian, are you committed to follow Jesus? Is it still your faith to be baptized into the death of Jesus Christ? Zarko, do you want to follow Jesus with all your heart? Do you still want to be baptized and instill your faith to be baptized into the death of Jesus Christ? Yes. May it be according to your faith. I'm going to ask that we sing from hymn 162. Um, let's sing a few verses while the converts go to pray as we begin to sing. Go to change as we begin to sing.
congregation, please arise for a prayer. Our holy and heavenly Father, with great gratitude we come before thee this morning, thankful for the love that you have shown to all of mankind, and thankful, Father, for the plan of salvation that was laid before the foundation of the earth. And we thank the Heavenly Father that you loved us so much that you gave your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. And we thank the Heavenly Father that he was willing to come into this world as a child, but then grow to be a man who laid down his life on the cross for every one of us. And we thank the Heavenly Father for this plan of salvation and for your grace that is ever so evident yet today. We thank thee that you are yet calling those that are lost in sin and offering them this free grace, this salvation, this eternal life, and the opportunity to be born again. And we thank the Father in heaven for the gospel message that went forth today, this morning, that is yet inviting those that have not made this born-again experience to come in repentance, turn to re- in repentance towards the Heavenly Father and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we thank the Father in heaven that we can now be witnesses of that born-again experience of, in these two dear souls And we pray that even as they would be baptized in this water and that they would rise in newness of life to serve thee and to live for thee for the rest of their lives, that all of us that are here this morning that are witnessing this wonderful experience that they have made in their life, that we together, Father, would honor and glorify thee through it. We pray, Father, your blessing upon their lives, their families, Upon all that have come here today, not only to witness this baptism, but also to hear your word and to worship thee, the living God. We pray that you would continue to pour out your love upon all mankind, and that many more would come while that door of grace is open. Father in heaven, all praise, honor, and glory be to thee and to thee alone. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Brian, last night you testified that things seem to be going quite well in your life. Things seem to be under control. Um, You lived a life that was pretty moral. Uh, You didn't hurt anyone. You paid your taxes. And then something happened. What was it that made that change in your life? Um, I needed mostly to find the truth. Too much of what the world has been telling me that, like you had said, paying taxes, being good to people, and staying out of trouble was all I needed uh, to get to heaven. And uh, until I came here, I didn't realize that truth. And once I was awakened to that truth, everything changed for me. Do you believe that you were a sinner bound for hell? 
the life that I was leading, I was most definitely a sinner and bound for hell, yes. And who was able to pay for your sin, and how did he do it? Jesus Christ paid for my sin at, Silvery, at Calvary. Through his shed blood, my sin is, is now cleansed. You firmly believe that? Absolutely, yes, I do. Brian, as you have testified last night and even this morning, that even though you lived a good life, at least in the eyes of man, all unrighteousness is sin in God's eyes and deserves the punishment of death. But thanks be to God that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay that debt of sin and you can now be born again and baptized into his name. Based on your faith in the, in the living Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Zarko is very nervous. He just wants to hide. (laughs) (laughs) Zarko has a few friends that come to see him this morning, so uh, we're thankful for that. But, um, Zarko, you've come a long way. Concerning uh, 1998, was it? When you were here last, you started coming, you began to listen to the Word of God. You sang in our choirs, and, and those melodies still ring in your heart. You often mention certain songs that you, you learn, but something happened where you stopped coming, and uh, you went back into the world. Yes. What made you come back? God was, he was been, he's been calling me for years. For years? Twelve years. What was he calling you for? Come back and serve him. Serve him? Yes. Were you living in sin in the world? Yes. What would have happened to you if you died in that state? I was condemned. Condemned? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for your sin? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Yes. Do you believe it's all a work of grace? It's nothing that you could do? It was none of my, my doing. It was all God's work. Do you believe that your restitutions don't earn you? No, Salvation. not my works. Not no. your works. It was God's work on the cross. Thank you, Zarko. Can you see, take a seat? Zarko, based on your faith and the testimony that you've given before the church and many witnesses, your faith in Jesus Christ, that he's the only way, the truth and the life to salvation, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's sing hymn number 41. <laughs> 